Well, welcome to the Mortification of Spin, the regular podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. I am Todd Pruitt, the pastor of Church of the Savior in Wayne, Pennsylvania, and I am with my co-host as always, uh, Dr. Carl Truman, who is a professor of church history at Westminster Seminary and the pastor of Cornerstone Presbyterian Church. Carl, good to see you again today as always. I believe I mentioned, Carl, in our last podcast that um, you being a Brit do a wonderful job of exploring um, serious thinkers, um, not least of whom is someone from your own native land, uh, Benny Hill. And uh, you'll be exploring some of his work at some point, I'm sure. But is there anything you wanted to uh, say as far as, again, like Benny Hill, some of the great contributions that England has made uh, to the world? Uh, Warm beer, uh, (laughs) William Shakespeare, and Gloucester Rugby Club are the three things that come immediately to my mind. And darts. darts. Oh, darts. Right. You know, I did play darts for my college in Cambridge. Wow. Uh, But I was told at the time that that was not something to boast about in in later life, that it did not look that impressive to the outsider. (laughs) As odd as it may sound, it really doesn't. But uh, uh, rugby's okay. It's not American football, but it's okay. Look for me in the end zone after this play. I'll be the guy holding the ball. John! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot route! I don't. What is hot route? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? No, I'm just getting over here. <laughs> down. Ready. Down. Set. Hut. 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 Go, Jeremy. There you go. Hit me. Hit me. Hallelujah. That's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> No, we, we don't have those kind of girly pads that you guys feel the need to wear to protect yourself, you know, from getting hurt. I and, understand. Uh, sure. And the guys are on the field for more than two minutes at a time as well. It's, it's, it's pretty brutal by American standards. <laughs> I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Well, one of the things we like to do periodically on the mortification of spin is have a guest uh, whose work in one way or another that we are fans of, that we appreciate. And today is no different uh, from that. We're able to have a guest from a long way away. Carl, why don't you do the introduction? It would be a delight. Uh, One of the things I try to do at church each month is give away some books. Uh, I do two Sundays a month. One Sunday I'll give away some books to the adults, and the other Sunday I give away books for children. And very privileged today to have on the, the telephone line, joining us from California, a lady who's written a number of books that I've given away. A couple of months uh, back, I was giving uh, one of her books on Lady Jane Grey to the younger members of the congregation, and I remember holding it up at the end of the service and saying, any young person who wants a copy of this book, come and see me at the end. And there was one little girl who sprinted to the other side of the church to beat me before I could get to the church door in order to make sure that she'd got a copy. Uh, The lady you're about to meet produces some of the most beautiful and helpful books for Christians, for children, that you will find. And they're not just delightful productions for children, they also work for adults as well. Her name is Simonetta Carr. I'll read read you a little bit of her biography and then introduce her. Uh, Simonetta was born in Italy, Uh, so she's adding a definite 
level of sophistication to today's program <laughs> yes. that we don't typically have. <laughs> uh, she was an elementary school teacher. She's homeschooled her eight children. She has written for newspapers and magazines around the world. She's translated the works of several Christian authors into Italian. And she currently lives in San Diego with her husband, Thomas, and family. Uh, and she's a member and Sunday school teacher at Christ United Reformed Church and as it publishes wonderful books for children. So it's a great pleasure to have you online, Simonetta. Pleasure to be here. My first question, uh, you are an Italian. You, yes. you have homeschooled eight children. You mm -hmm. write brilliant books for children. Uh, you're happily married. Uh, do you find that, that other women hate you for this? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. Um, I, at least the women in my church, they see um, I have plenty of flaws and, and mess. So, you know, it's very obvious that uh, I'm definitely not a super mom. <laughs> Yes, I, I, I listed your achievements to my wife recently, and I saw her go physically green <laughs> as I was uh, outlining all that you've done. But as a serious question, uh, one of the things I love about your work was I'm a church historian. My, my task in life is to teach, and more than that, to get people enthusiastic about church history. You get them so young. You have that gift of writing church history for the youngest members of the Christian community. Can I ask what first got you interested into this, this line of work, if you like? Mm. Well, it started when, um, when I was homeschooling my kids. Um, I don't know if at that time um, the, the classical method of uh, education was uh, as big as it is now, but I, I started to use history as uh, my main line of, for my curriculum for, for the children. And so I was trying to cover all the different aspects of every time period. And, you know, one of them is obviously theology. And I just noticed there was not much for children um, on the, the development of the theology, not you could find books on uh, on some biographies for children in church history, but not really so much about uh, theology, and I thought it was important. So um, I discussed it with a few people, and especially before Calvin's anniversary um, in 2009, I started to entertain the idea of writing a biography of John Calvin, um, well, actually, I, I entertained the idea to convince somebody to write a biography of John Calvin, and I uh, failed. I asked somebody in my church, and everyone said it was a great idea, but they didn't want to do it. Um, and so finally, um, Dr. Michael Horton in my church, he uh, encouraged me. He said, why don't you do it? And it started a bit as a fun um enterprise that I did with my kids just for fun. We were figuring out what we would write and what, what illustrations we would have. And uh, I didn't really think it was going to be published, but I tried anyway and I sent it to a lot of publishers. And, um, and one of them said yes, and all I needed was one. So That's a fantastic story. 
Uh, Simonetta, we've mentioned uh, the book on Lady Jane Grey. You've mentioned uh, the book on John Calvin. Uh, who else have you written about? Um, Augustine, Athanasius, and John Owen. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that are published, and yeah. then uh, there's a few more. Coming. <laughs> we have we have at our home the book on John Calvin. We have the book on Augustine um, and the book on Athanasius. They're beautiful, as Carl has mentioned. They're not only well written, but they're they're illustrated. They're they're wonderful books, and I cannot recommend them highly enough. I would ask you just as a follow up, how do you choose your subjects? Um, what yeah, goes into that? I have a very. Um, I, I'm trying to keep a certain uh, a line of thought. It, it's difficult sometimes. I. I deviate, but, um, you know, people suggest, why don't you write about this person or that person? But from the beginning, I wanted to write about uh, men and women who had a major influence on uh, the Christian thought. Um, I'm I'm going to borrow a slogan from uh, the White Horse and program, Um, know what you believe, what you believe and why. Uh, and that's basically was my slogan. I just wanted to the children to know what they believed and why they believed it. So I'm trying to find people who have left a mark in uh, the Christian thought so that we can say, okay, we believe this, and look how it, it started. How Well, of course, it started in the scriptures, but this is how the church has thought about this uh these issues and this is this this person is uh, someone who has uh contributed to make it clear for us right right and that's and what you just brought up i think is very important because that's one of the values of your books is you are not just transferring historical or biographical information uh, you're teaching in these books um you're teaching doctrine in these books and again a reason why i would commend these highly uh, to parents with young kids at home. Uh, they will not only learn history, which is vitally important, but you show the, the, the connection of these historical figures with, with the role they played in the church um, theologically. And uh, I just commend you for that. It's been very helpful. A long, long time ago, in a country called England, a little baby was born. His name was... St. Patrick. Hold on! You are not old enough to talk. And your name is not yet St. Patrick. Sorry. Your name is Maywen Sukat. Hurry up and name me St. Patrick. Shh. Sorry. Yeah, one of the things I'm interested in, Simonetta, is how you deal with what I might describe as some of the darker aspects of the stories you tell. I think of Augustine, of course, there's a strong sexual subtext, certainly to the, the pre-conversion Augustine, but perhaps more, more dramatically with a character like Lady Jane Grey, of course, she's, she's executed at the end. And these are, these are tough themes to, to address tactfully and appropriately but accurately with, with a younger audience. Uh, what sort of thoughts, what guiding principles do you have when you're, when you're addressing the tougher issues in the characters that you're looking at? Well, I, I have to decide in, in every biography, in every book, you have to decide what you want to put in and what you want to leave out. And uh, it's more, even more so when you write for children, especially a very short book like my books are only about 60 pages. Um, 
So I, I only include things if they're essential. And with Augustine, for example, um, after reading, um, especially Peter Brown's uh, um, biography, I I didn't feel that I, I feel that what they're saying about his sexual life as a young man was a little bit uh, overrated. Um, and that's what Peter Brown actually thinks, um, because uh, he had such a strong sense of sin that every every deviation for him was huge. And uh, also, basically, he had a concubine, and in those days, that was pretty much accepted it was as having a wife. So, yeah, I just, overall, I didn't feel that that was necessary. But if I had felt it was necessary, I would have thought about how to include it. Um, with Athanasius, for example, Athanasius, when I started reading about him, I almost gave up <laughs> because I found that there's no real definitive biography of Athanasius. And the ones you have are either uh, very much on his favor and or very much against him. Um, maybe now there's a few more, but you know at that time it was really hard to find one that was well balanced. And so some people described him as a uh, as a Christian ayatollah, pretty much. Um, so there I had to think about okay, what do I do? Because do I leave all that out? And uh, I had to try to balance things and I, I mentioned about the violence at that time and how the violence his followers used violence and we don't know if he agreed or disagreed with it um, so I just mentioned that there was violence on both sides and uh, there's a picture of a riot so uh, I think it's pretty clear but I just mentioned it and went on <laughs> because that, that's really not the main issue. I just wanted the, the children to know and then uh, go on to the main the main point. That's I think that's a very important point as well because the the temptation when writing Christian biography for any age is always well either to in, indulge in hagiography or to indulge in a, a very cynical form of criticism. So. Uh, drawing out very carefully the the historical truth is important because I, I don't think we do our children any favors if we present them with highly idealized pictures of the Christians of the past. Uh, it no, can only lead to to disillusionment later on. I, when I teach in class and the students are wrestling with the fourth century stuff and all of the chicanery surrounding the Nicene Creed and the Council of Constantinople and Sometimes the comment is, you know, well, how, how do you cope with all this? And my response is always, you ain't seen nothing yet. It is all <laughs> like this. All of church history has this this corruption yeah. surrounding it. And you, you you have to learn to be able to, to separate the good from the bad. There is no good golden period of history. Hi, I'd like to request St. Patrick. Not yet. He was now called... Pig boy! Feed the pigs, pig boy! Maywin Suckett has a rather nice ring to it. 
Now this was the land of the druids, and the people there spoke a different language. But we'll make believe everyone spoke English, like Star Trek. Even the pigs? No, not the pigs. Okay. Now more recently, Simonetta, you've been moving uh, towards uh, writing for an older audience. There's the uh, book on Olympia Morata. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's for yeah teenagers. Teenagers, yeah. and also a great little book that uh, I reviewed recently on Reformation Twenty One. Uh, your little biography, Rene of France, which is very uh, readable. It's a real page turner, and also speaks to some contemporary issues: the whole insider movement. How do Christians relate to a hostile wider culture? I was stunned at the close parallels that that exist between Rene of France, uh, the world of Rene of France, and the contemporary world. What what attracted you to Rene as a figure? Um, well, I think it started with Olympia. Um, PNR asked me to write a book. Uh, uh, well, they asked me if I wanted to write a book for um, their series. It's called Chosen Daughters, and it's a, a semi-fictional um, series, and it's about young women. So I was tempted because uh, I have never tried to write fiction, so um, this is not completely fiction, but yeah, this the style is uh, more fictionalized. So I just wanted to try. And also, um, I really thought the story of Olympia Morata would fit in there because she um, she went to a, a court of a duke and duchess um, when she was 14. So basically, it talks about a young girl and the struggles that she had, and it would be very um, relatable for um, teenagers. Um, so I started there, and then as I was studying her life, I encountered Renee because Renee was the Duchess. Um, originally, she was actually a princess, uh, daughter of the King of France. But um, when I when I wrote that, I thought it was very interesting when I wrote the story about Olympia Morata because. Olympia was a very young girl, and uh, um, eventually she became very uh, deeply uh, religious uh, as a Protestant, um, which is interesting because she had to go through some some time of a decision in her teenage years. Um, And and she criticized René very much because she could see the the faults of this lady who Renee was not as uh, uh, radical. She she made many compromises, and I think it's interesting in the eyes of a young girl. That was uh, that was very bad. <laughs> I can see my daughter criticizing yeah. very sharply because when you're young, you you, you do that. The world is and, much more black and white. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I thought it's. It, Interesting. I want to know more about uh, Renee and what she went through because I just felt there was more. And then when you read, especially Calvin's letters to her, uh, they're so touching. Uh, it just I I even uh, go back to them a few times because they're so encouraging. Um, in spite of everything Renee went through, and she even uh, um, went back to 
to being a Catholic after after being Protestant for a long time. Um, at least we don't know if she actually did or she she just did in uh, in appearance. But uh, he was always encouraging and just always telling her, "Well, you fell, you know, get up, and uh, God will give you double strength." And it encouraged me so much. Yeah, it brings out a nicely human side of Calvin. The book, you uh, know, in, in a very very delightful way. I wonder if I could ask a, a personal question at this point. Um, you were born in Italy. You, you grew up in Italy. Uh, how did you come to the evangelical Protestant faith, or were you born and brought up in an evangelical Protestant family? Huh. Um, yeah, I grew up Catholic, um, had the usual teenage uh, rebellion phase, I guess. Um, my father was actually a monk. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm speechless. Left. <laughs> he left monkhood. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was slightly confused there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's a funny story. He, uh, he met my mother in a confessional booth and fell in love. <laughs> okay, that's the next book right there. That's the next book. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And uh, so she helped him to get out of the church without being excommunicated, because in those days, you know, you would be. Um, So um, anyway, so I grew up Catholic with that influence, but um, then I started to really question the Bible and question the way that it was taught to me, and uh, no one was giving me answers. And so then I I came to uh, the evangelical faith actually through some American <laughs> missionaries, I guess, that they were just young people coming to Italy. These Americans get everywhere. Just get out of <laughs> <laughs> so I think they were part of the Jesus people hmm. in those days. Uh, that tells you how old I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> So anyway, that's how it started. I just started there. But then, you know, it took a long time. I I married my husband uh, much later, and he was was already, he was a Protestant. And uh, um, so, you know, we shared the same faith, and so I started to learn more. And it it just took a very long time until I got to to the point um, of really understanding fully. But... That was the beginning. That's a great, great story. What is your next project, Simonetta? We've uh, enjoyed all your books so far. What's the next one? Yeah, the next one that is actually going to be published because I, um, I'm really ahead of myself. Um, so. And you say women don't hate you. I find that hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have. Uh, well, we used to do one, one, one book every year, and now the publisher is going to do one every eight months, which wow. is very good. Fantastic. So um, the one that's ready and it's sitting in, on the editor's desk is Anselm mm. um, of Canterbury. And I don't know if I said that right. You did. I, I from an American standpoint, you said that right. I don't know about Carl. I, I, in fact, from a correct Otherwise, standpoint, I, I can and, confirm. And some of Aosta, <laughs> and that's the Italian one. Um, so he was, uh, um, uh, to me, that's, it's very important for the doctrine of atonement. I just wanted to 
introduce that to the children. Mm. Um, so that would be the next, and it should be out in June. That's Great. fantastic. Yeah, and after that, it's John Knox. Excellent. Well, you you need to know, Simonetta, that uh, <laughs> Todd is claiming to be a direct descendant of John Knox. I, I absolutely uh, claim it. I, like all Americans, he's descended from somebody interesting. So <laughs> claims, but, uh, it seems that the boring yes, people yes, in the 16th I, I century didn't have any offspring. I met somebody the other day who is saying that there's a descendant from Mary, Queen of Scots. Hmm. Well, I'd rather be a descendant of John Knox, but uh, yeah, I, um, so. I, I, I understand. Oh, well, I'm, that, that's good news. I'm a direct descendant of Julius Caesar, actually, on my mother's side. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, it's been great to have you on the program today, Simonetta. Uh, whereabouts could our listeners get copies of your books? Um, well, Amazon, of course, and then the publisher is the Reformation Heritage Book. Westminster Bookstore, You can I know. find it pretty much everywhere yeah. in every, well, I, I would say Reform bookstores, because mm-hmm. uh, uh, I don't think uh, big evangelical books have right. them. But, um, yeah, uh, Westminster Seminary has yeah. it, and uh, Grace and Truth. Excellent. Well, we certainly highly commend them to anybody listening. If you want good books for the for your kids, for the kids in your church, uh, if you want to, uh, uh, an aspect we didn't really pick up on in this half hour, but if, if you want to, to demonstrate to teenage girls in your congregation that women have played a significant role in church history too, then Simonetta Carr's books are the ones to go for. They are really very, very good. Right. And quite honestly, Carl, um, there's a lot of adults who've grown up in the church but have never learned church history. And, Todd, and, you're talking and, about yourself. That's you right. Own up, Todd. That's I why I buy Simonetta's books because <laughs> at least they have pictures in them. But yeah. <laughs> I would say, you know, moms and dads who, who, who read these books to their kids, they're going to benefit from them because, like I said, so many evangelicals have not been taught church history. And Simonetta's books are wonderful little introductions for an adult who hasn't learned these things in the past. Yes. Well, it's great to have had you on the program, Simonetta. Uh, thanks very much. We'll yes. bring things to a close now. Word of wisdom for the day. Uh, if you have a man in your pulpit who uses the word authentic or any of its cognates, fire him. He's a phony. <laughs> uh, this has been The Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. You'll find us on the web at mortificationofspin.org. Thank you for your prayers and your support and look forward to being with you next time.